Roger that, Houston. All systems five by five. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Fascinating. Get away from her, you bitch! Welcome to the Hamilton Podcast. Day no. no. <laughs> do I have to do it again? Welcome to the Nerdfest Podcast. Today we've got Ian McLaughlin, Peter Johnson, John Farley, and I'm Hazel Burton. On the show today, we've got some new recommendations, things we've been watching recently. Ian, do you want to give us a little tease as to what your quiz entails? I've borrowed the DeLorean from Back to the Future and gone back in time to chat with my five-year-old self. Okay. And asked my five-year-old self to describe some famous movies, as a five-year-old would do. Ooh, so that's coming a little bit later on. Um, and we're going to round off the show with our Captain Marvel full spoilerific review. So, let's the show. So, in our first segment, we're going to talk about some recommendations, and this is where we've all been watching something recently. I'd like to share our thoughts with you. Who wants to go first? Uh, can I begin by just saying I'm sorry that Daniel Watkins isn't here this week. I'm sorry that Daniel Watkins isn't yeah, here as it well. It turns out he was a scroll all along. <laughs> uh, why is he not here? He's not dead, is he? Uh, yes, uh, he got punched on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> by a lady. <laughs> By a space lady. Because I was going to make a public apology to Dan. Oh, go, go ahead. Because um, I would like to say sorry to Dan for every time I tutted or developed any kind of sense of exasperation for every time he mentioned Hamilton. You, you went to see Hamilton this week, didn't you? A couple of days ago. <laughs> and Dan was not kidding. It's the greatest thing I've ever laid my eyes on. I cried at the end because it was over. And I would say it's 10 times better than The West Wing. Wow. <gasps> wow. <laughs> To go and see it. It's just I'm wonderful. not going to go and see it. Why not? On principle? Yes, on principle. It's one of those things where I just had no interest in it, but so many people that I respect, and Hazel as well, have <laughs> <laughs> said like it's the best thing they've ever seen. So I kind of feel that I should give it a shot, but maybe wait until the ticket prices drop to less eye-watering. I'm going to wait amounts. until the um, local theatre, People's Theatre, do the Amdram <laughs> production of it in about 10 years' time. I'll be able to afford it then. <laughs> It even made me like hip-hop and rap. It's American history, though, isn't it? Yeah, you learn it. <laughs> so uh, do you have any other recommendations? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it is actually to do with American history, though. Whilst we're talking about a fictional feminist icon in Captain Marvel, I wanted to talk about a real-life feminist hero. I have been watching two things, but the subject has been the same. It's Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There is a documentary on Netflix called RBG, because that's her new name, the notorious RBG. So this is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is on the Supreme Court. She's in her mid-80s now and was nominated to the Supreme Court in 93. So Bill Clinton nominated her and she went through with a, a, a massive majority. She's kind of gained a bit of pop culture icon status recently because Supreme Court people are not really supposed to comment on <laughs> the president. She said something about Trump when he was in the process of being nominated and that he's a faker and she can't imagine a world where Donald Trump would be president. She was kind of condemned for her remarks, but she's kind of basically staying on the Supreme Court, even though she's getting to her late 80s because she just wants to fire down all of his ideas, essentially. <laughs> 
if she retires, he'll get to appoint the successor, won't he? So the, yeah. the balance of power will change. I think the balance of power has already changed, but I think it will change even further. So just to give you a little bit of history about her, she is famous for fighting sexist laws in the United States. The documentary focuses on interviews with family members and political people and footage taken of her recent court proceedings. The other thing that I watched, which she is a focus of, is On the Basis of Sex, which has got Felicity Jones in. And that focuses on her when she was attending Harvard Law School. This is in cinema at the moment, isn't it? It is, yeah. I think she was like one of four women at Harvard Law School. Half the movie is set when she's in college. She's already with her husband, Marty Ginsburg, played by Army Hammer. He develops testicular cancer whilst they're at college. And she ends up taking his classes as well as hers, writing up his notes. And they have a baby at home as well. So she managed to balance all of that. He is not afraid of her power and stature. Very much stood by her, supported her all the way, and was a successful lawyer in his own right. The second half of the film, a man had been discriminated against by not getting care workers pay. And she thought she could prove that lots of laws were sexist. If she started with a man and that was overturned, the game would change. She had a lot of stuff to overcome in her life, but she did so with dignity. And she argued everything through proof and kind of the force of the law rather than screaming down a courthouse. So it's not a film that's full of drama, but it is if you're in the moment and you you kind of listen to what she's saying. So I really enjoyed that film. And the documentary is just brilliant as well. Which order did you see the two things in? I saw On the Basis of Sex first, saw that in the cinema, and I watched the documentary on the plane to Washington. Do you think the other way would fill in the background of the character before watching the movie? No, I think I probably did it in the right order for me. I didn't know too much about her before I went to see the film, so I got to see her early life. The documentary is focused on her Supreme Court activities, and the film doesn't focus on that at all. It just kind of mentions it in the before the end credits. But there's a image in the film where Felicity Jones is walking up the steps to the Supreme Court, and it casually moulds into the real-life Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And you got a real kind of chill just watching that. And when I went to Washington, D.C. myself, I got a sense of that when I walked up the steps. It was kind of meant more to me because I knew what kind of a woman had graced these steps before. She's awesome. Doesn't she sort of famously still work out every morning despite being in her late 80s? Yeah, she does. So she herself got cancer, well, in the last kind of decade or so. And she started working out with a personal trainer because it weakened her physically. So, she, yeah, she still works out with a personal trainer and does, you know, 20 press-ups a day, which is more than I can do. More than I've done in my life, I think. <laughs> She's an incredibly impressive woman to really, really look up to. And important that she keeps fighting. Yes, please. Please stay alive. <laughs> Two more years, please. Yeah. Going back to when she criticised Trump, a lot of people condemned her for doing it, and Trump himself tried to say that she was losing it mentally. <laughs> <laughs> Kettle called with Kettle back and called for her to resign for her comments. <laughs> get angry. <laughs> if On the Basis of Sex is still in the cinemas, do have a look at that um, and then follow up with a visit to Netflix. So RBG is on Netflix now? It is. Yes. That's good because I wanted to see it and I did not know that. Okay. Ian, have you got a recommendation? Uh, yes. Uh, not quite as inspiring as Hazel's, but it's a, a very simple game, a very relaxing game, which I've enjoyed very much over the past day. It's called The Gardens Between. It's available on all platforms. And what's so wonderful about it, it's one of those chill-out games that are quite popular now. There are only three buttons in the whole game. 
it's a puzzle game where you basically rewind and fast forward time to solve puzzles. It's beautifully rendered. It's uh, quite a heartbreaking story set around Anita and her friend Front, who live in the sort of tenements of a New York style city. The only place they have to escape is their run-down old treehouse, where they sit and they imagine things together and escape into their fantasy world, where the treehouse becomes a boat and they sail among islands, solving puzzles together. What's really clever about the thing is that each island is populated by all the remnants and bits and pieces of their lives. So a videotape machine becomes an important part of a puzzle. A bowl of popcorn is a huge obstacle to get over. It's really beautiful and very, very simple. Some of the puzzles are actually quite difficult. You spend ages going backwards and forwards through time. But I found it one of the most relaxing things I've done in a long time. Because the night before I downloaded Alien Isolation. <laughs> and I, I got an hour into it and stopped playing because I was so scared. <laughs> I get so, so stressful I couldn't play it anymore. So I downloaded this game. I highly recommend it. So was Alien Isolation one of these things where you just spend all your time cooting down corridors and hearing noises and yes, just waiting for it, it to happen? Well, the, or... the first hour of the game, really, nothing really happens. Uh, you meet a few characters, you become isolated on this ship that's hovering around a planet, and it stars Amanda Ripley, which is uh, Ellen Ripley's daughter, who's trying to, in search of finding out what happened to her mother 15 years before. So you wander around for ages and ages, and then suddenly this god-awful thing drops out of the roof. It's the classic alien. It's absolutely terrifying. It chases you down corridors. You die constantly. (laughs) <laughs> you don't have any weapons. You've got to hide in lockers, hide under things. You've got an occasional flare to scare it off with. It's terrifying. I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it scarier than the baby one that you recommended on the last episode? Oh, that was, that, yeah, that, that was scary. But this is, I mean, this is genuinely this is terrifying. This is, uh, and the AI in the game is really clever because it, it learns what you do and waits in the right places and just pops out. And it's proper scary shock moments, you know, with all the sound effects involved. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I need to play for it again. I had it on the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. And the problem was it was one of the latest Xbox 360 games and it just was too much for the system. Mm-hmm. So every time the alien appeared on the screen, it dropped down to about five frames a second. Right. And it was really difficult to play because of that. Mm-hmm. It's on the Xbox Gold this it, month, it, isn't it? Is it? On, on Game Pass. Oh, Game Pass. Yeah. So I've just downloaded it. I'm going to play through it again. Um, have you seen the extra downloads you can buy? I know there's a Nostromo version. Yeah. Well, if, if he hasn't got more than an hour into this one, he's not going to watch I don't more. think I want to play it. It's just, I mean, Alien's one of my favourite films of all time, favourite mm. franchise, and uh, it scared me beyond belief. So if you like that kind of thing, <laughs> I'm going to stay chilled out with two kids on a night. <laughs> <laughs> I went to see Alien in the cinema last week. Did you? Yeah, it's the, it amazing. It's the 40th anniversary, so they've done a 4K remaster, which is coming out on... Ultra HD, I think, next month, but they did give it like a little mini cinema release. Oh, nice. Uh, originally one night, but it was so popular, I think it's been on five or six nights now. Mm. And it was great seeing it in a packed cinema. And yeah, the film still holds up, even when you know what's going to happen. Mm. And I think there was some younger people in the cinema who had never seen it before, mm-hmm. because there was that reaction when... Um, spoilers for a 40-year-old film. Go ahead. When, uh, <laughs> when the when thing... John, when John Hurt is hurt. When John, when John Hurt's hurt, yes. And also there's uh, to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the six new short films based in the Alien universe with up-and-coming directors. Mm. And uh, the, uh, I look at, the, look at the trailer online. It looks really good. When are those available? The first one is broadcast on the 5th of May. And then I presume weekly or uh, bi-weekly or monthly after that. But they, they, they look really good. I'm very pleased that Ian's the authority on this because he only knows about it because I told him a few days ago. <gasps> Burn! 
Doesn't mean I'm not an authority. <laughs> Just means I was slightly late to the party. <laughs> Typical. Do you, do you want to do that bit then, John? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, you went to the cinema to see the alien films. It's a shame there's nothing else, you know, that's like kind of the franchise over. There's nothing else that we can watch. No. Nah. <laughs> it's actually on the 5th of May. <laughs> What's the name of that game? It's called The Gardens Between. All the games you recommend have this similar sort of names. Between, don't they? Sort of... Amongst the sleep, there's the, there's the Between Worlds. There's all that, yeah. <laughs> between is quite a popular chill-out game um, name. How do you find these games? Because you always seem to come across these really interesting games. I scour a lot. <laughs> I do a lot of scouring. I go down the whole um, the uh, Game Pass list, each game individually, watch every trailer. <laughs> oh, that looks interesting. And also there's other sites so you can find that kind of stuff if you're interested in puzzle games. Peter? Yeah, my recommendation is Umbrella Academy, which is available on Netflix. Has anyone seen that? I've seen the trailer. It looks okay. good. It's a 10-part superhero series. It's based on a comic by Gerard Way, the uh, singer in My Chemical Romance. It's about a family of superhero children, all born on the same day, adopted and raised together in a large New York apartment by the man they call their father. After they've spent several years apart, his death reunites them as adults. Ellen Page plays Vanya, the only non-powered child, who's ostracised from the group and made to feel ordinary. She wrote a book about growing up in the Academy, which made them all famous, which her siblings wish she hadn't. Tom Hopper, who's Dickon in Game of Thrones, plays Space Boy, who has this enormous, ridiculously oversized gorilla-like frame and super strength. And he's spent the last four years on the moon where his dad sent him essentially to keep him out of trouble, from all we can tell. Another one can bend objects in flight. So if he throws knives, he can bend them around corners and things. Mm. Another one's a celebrity who can influence people's thoughts just by telling them she heard a rumour. One of my favourites is Klaus, who's played by Robert Sheehan, who you may remember from Misfits. He's quite a similar character. He's a flamboyant drug addict who can communicate with the dead and thrives on irritating everyone. John, I heard a rumour. What's that? Mm. <laughs> now you've got to tell them what to believe now oh I thought you just said I heard, this character oh. this thing says that they can they heard a rumour and that can yes I, I believe that yeah, there you go <laughs> no you need to say what it is and then they believe it so if you had, I've heard a rumour you can fly he might try and jump off a building John <laughs> yes <laughs> I've heard a rumour you owe me 50 pounds <laughs> yes I do it works <laughs> It was the best blowjob I ever had, so I can't complain about the price. <laughs> oh, dear. I heard a rumour, John. That wasn't me you were giving a blowjob to. <laughs> it's like Christmas. Better to give them the sieve. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the last one there, number five, looks like a 15-year-old boy, but he's mentally in his 40s because he can jump through space and time. Wouldn't stand up in court, though. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, mentally, Your Honour. <laughs> Yeah. He was a wizened old man <laughs> by the time I'd finished with him. <laughs> and that, Your Honour, is the case for the defence. <laughs> so he comes back to warn everyone the apocalypse is coming, and they need to work together to stop it while being chased by a pair of time-travelling assassins from the future. Uh, there's also a CGI-powered monkey butler. Of course there is. And a robot mum. And they're chased by Mary J. Blige, who's one of the two time-travelling assassins. She played herself. No. No. Oh, I was hoping it was actually just Mary J. Blige for some reason was a, a villain. Right, okay. Are the writers, you know, on drugs. okay? 
Well, he, he is in a band. Yeah. So probably not. <laughs> Which band is the writer in? It's a, it's a My fairly... Chemical Romance. Terrible, terrible band. I just tried to look it up Mary J. Blige's song so I could make up some kind of pun for this thing and I don't recognise any of the... Not a single song. What's there that? are a couple of quite well-known ones. Go on then. And a couple of... Go on then. Go on, name one. I looked them up but I can't remember them now. I can't remember the, song, the, the, the words. <laughs> I tried to stay... That's that now. No, that's... Um, Macy Gray? Macy Gray. Family Affair, that's what I was singing. It's a family. No, no, no. It's a different one. Go on, sing it to us. That's what I was doing. Do, 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 That's do, Baby do. Shark. <laughs> Shall I play it for you? Yeah. Okay, hang on. on, on mm-hmm. I'll get my ukulele. You're... Can I play it the Hamilton soundtrack first? No. No. <laughs> we always do this to Peter when he's trying to read his thing. We just, 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 <laughs> just, just don't get anywhere. <laughs> oh, I know that song. I'm yeah. sorry, we can't play this due to copyright. Well, it can take 30 seconds. Hang on. I'll get to the good bit. <laughs> well, There's a good bit, is there? <laughs> now I understand why the Umbrella Academy got its weirdness, because we're all weird. <laughs> Anyway, anyway. <clears throat> so yeah, it was planned to be a movie in about 2011, but they changed their minds and did a Netflix series instead. The characters aren't as mad as they are in the comics, which is a shame because where they have done it, like the guy who's like gorilla shaped, that's some of the best bits about it. Visually, it's sort of, it's a bit Wes Anderson sometimes and a bit Terry Gilliam at other times. It's, they're obviously quite like visual directors. It's very on vogue at the moment. Yeah, is it? <laughs> uh, it has a couple of rough edges, but I really liked it and grew attached to the characters. I'd expect there to have a second series, probably. Netflix are obviously cancelling all their superhero projects at the moment, but those are the ones that are associated with Marvel. So they're Maybe probably looking... Disney. Yeah. yeah. So they're probably looking for other things to uh, kind of fill that superhero gap. We really enjoyed it. I think I would give it about eight and a half disturbed childhoods out of ten. <laughs> How many episodes in a season? I think ten. Yes, I've only seen the, the trailer, Peter, and I mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. It looks very exciting, especially the monkey butler. He looks hilarious. Yeah, he's great. He's really good. Really good actor. How can a monkey butler not be hilarious? Exactly. Mm. Ah, sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I was just popping it back in. <laughs> <laughs> John, have you, in the last few seconds, decided what you're going to recommend? <laughs> I've, got, I've, I've seen so many things these last couple of weeks that I can't really narrow it down to run. Okay, uh, I'd like a recommendation for you, because you, you really like your music, don't you? And you go and see lots of bands. Yes. And that. So um, recommend a band that really tickles your boat. Tell us why. Um, the band tickles your, your boat. boat. <laughs> tickles your boat. <laughs> I really do actually like the band. It's actually Tickles Your Boat. is my favourite band at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Also your poor name. <laughs> it's also my poor name. <laughs> I'm 40 on Saturday, so apparently I've got to grow up. I didn't. Uh, you didn't. Why should you? <laughs> <laughs> Any plans? I'm going to the theatre. I'm going to see two plays. Oh, both Hamilton? No, I'm going to see the play version of Barbarian Sound Studio, which is the horror film with Toby Jones. Great movie. Mm. I don't know the, the play, but the gist of the film is Toby Jones is hired to do the soundtrack for an Italian 1970s horror movie. And he's alone in the studio doing all the sound effects of this horror movie and strange things happen. And it's a really, really good film and I'm looking forward to seeing the play version of that. And then in the evening, I'm having a Marvel double bill. I'm going to go see a Harold Pinter play called Portrayal. 
and the two main actors in it are Tom Hiddleston, better known as Loki, and the guy who plays Daredevil, Charlie Cox. This is the play that's had terrible reviews, isn't it? Has Betrayal had terrible reviews? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. A pointless star vehicle, I think, is one of the phrases used. Oh, excellent. I'm really pleased I spent quite a lot of money. That's uh, that's what I really want to spend my last day on this earth as a man rather than a haggard husk, which again, I believe is what oh, happens to you on your 40th birthday. I mean, looking at the evidence around this table. <laughs> I didn't realise my pants were open. You can see my haggard husk. <laughs> I see two husks, one on the cusp. <laughs> A cusp of a husk. Two walnuts and a chip of lighter. (laughs) I I was not aware the reviews were bad, but I'm sure I will still enjoy seeing it very much. And if not, I will just go and get drunk afterwards. So, John, have you got anything to recommend? (laughs) (laughs) Discovery Season 2 is quite good. (laughs) I haven't caught up. Have you not caught up? Now I've got one more to watch. So this is the new Star Trek series. Season one, I really enjoyed, but got a lot of criticism. People said it didn't feel like Star Trek. Mm. It was too serious, too dour. Didn't really have that optimism. Season two, whether deliberately or otherwise, seems to have dealt with a lot of those, and it feels like proper old-school Star Trek now. We've tied in quite a lot more with the original series, so we've got Captain Pike, who people will know from a couple of episodes of the original series. So you, you preferred the second series to the first series? Yeah, it feels like Star Trek. Yeah. But it's a lot more fun Pike and enjoyable. Is much more sort of pantomime, gung-ho, captain-type. Yeah. And I really enjoy that about him. And we've got we're not quite episodes of the week. You've kind of got a plot that's going through it, but in also in each episode you've got a mystery that they solve or something that happens. Mm. And those little in-episode bits feel, again, very much almost original series or Next Generation. I really, really like it. Uh, the direction is still all over the place. Mm. They're trying to shoot it like a film, but sometimes it just feels overly fussy. Mm. Some of the effects, though, have been amazing. Oh, Real so, movie quality yeah. stuff. Not as good as the Orville battle. That was fantastic. Oh, that, that was a surprise, <laughs> that wasn't was it? really I good. I mean, for what was billed originally as a comedy show, and then it has this massive galactic space battle for eight two minutes, episodes. Eight minutes long. It's fantastic. It is quite amazing. Uh, yeah, we've got Spock now, who... The guy that plays Spock, my my girlfriend seems to enjoy the appearance of That's Ethan Peck. Ethan Peck, Gregory Peck's mm-hmm. grandson. Ah, yeah. definitely a relative. I'm not sure the precise link. I did not know that. I went to see a band the other week called Colars, who are a great band, but their singer is the grandson of Robert Shaw from Jaws. So just very very good. Watch it. Even if you didn't like the first series, go and see it again. There's not too much baggage from the first series. So I think if you wanted to, you could just jump in at the start of season two. Yeah, I think you could. You might not understand the significance of Georgiou and a few others, but yeah. most of it would be fine. It's explained, yeah. So that's my various recommendations. I feel like I'm 40 now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like a 40-year-old? Fifty-five. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, would yes. you like to introduce your quiz? I've gone back in time and had a chat with my five-year-old self and asked myself to describe famous films the way that a five-year-old <laughs> Ian might do. Okay. Right. I will read out in the style of five-year-old Ian the movie synopsis according to five-year-old Ian. Okay. You buzz in when you think you know what it is. I love the idea that this actually happened, and this just explains it, Ian. Because when he was five years old, he had this traumatic event where this middle-aged man appeared in front of him and was like, 
here's some films from the future. <laughs> Describe them to me. No one will ever believe you. <laughs> they disappeared. Is it a particular genre of film? No, is it, anything? No, there's obviously the uh, the usual um, splattering of nerdy type sci-fi and fantasy. But there's a few other ones in there as well. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> young Ian. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Young Can Ian. Can you describe the first film, please? I will do. Here we go, number one. The man goes to sleep six times at the same time and has an upside-down fight. Groundhog Day. Nope. The man goes to sleep six times at the same time and has an upside-down fight and all the buildings go squishy. Oh, oh Hazel, um, in, uh, what's it called? The Peter Inception. Yes. I was going to say Interstellar. Right. <laughs> you always do. That's one. Keep, keep the score, someone. That's Peter's point. Okay. Next one. The man does have a posh suit and has a fight with a man with very expensive hands and everything blows up and the girl is in love with him, but she only has one pence to give him. John, um, Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> no. Peter, uh, Robocop? Nope. The um... man does have a posh suit and has to fight with a man with very expensive hands. And everything blows up and the girl is in love with him, but she only has one pence to give him. Edward Scissorhands? No. I was thinking Edward Scissorhands, but that, no. yeah. No, you're at subject. That's Goldfinger. The man has a posh suit. It's James Bond. Yeah. Has to have a fight with a man with experience his hands. He's got gold fingers, isn't he? So that's, that's expensive. <laughs> everything blows up and the girl is in love with him, but she only has one pence. One penny. Miss. Miss Money, Money penny. penny. That's any Bond film. But not Gold Hands, isn't <laughs> No. Right. I've never seen Goldfinger. No. no. Uh, I, I, I think I have. He doesn't have Golden Hands. He's got Goldfinger. Goldfinger. He's okay. a man. Next okay. one. Classic movie. <clears throat> not sci-fi. Go on, Ian. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the man is boring and hasn't done anything special like save the world or invented time boots, but in the end, he's happy because it's Christmas. Hazel, it's a wonderful life. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> Invented time boots. <laughs> okay, next one. So that's a point to Peter and a point. Everyone in the movie loves eyeballs because eyes are talked about a lot in the song, and the boy and the girl pretend to be the angel of the north, and then the boy dies. Hazel, oh, Titanic. Been... <laughs> I knew what it was. Correct, that's a point to Hazel. I, I, <laughs> next one. Go on, Ian. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the boy and the girl go for a drive, but no one put money in the electric meter, so the car stops and they have to sleep in a tree, and the girl gets covered in snot from the monster cow. <laughs> oh, um, Peter, Jurassic Park. Yes, correct. It's two points. Ooh, okay. Doing well here, John. <laughs> I'm just confused as to what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Okay. Are ready, Ian? Yes. Thank you. The lady is posh, and she talks like the queen and makes everyone have cough mixture, and then they dance with some penguins. John, Mary Poppins. Yes, correct. <laughs> okay, not many left now. The man loses his shoes and hurts his feet, but he's happy because the beard... Hazel, die hard? Yes. <laughs> but you have, to, you have to listen to the rest of the clue, okay. right? The man loses his shoes and hurts his feet, but he's happy because the beardy men offer him some fish pie. He says, kipper pie, yay! <laughs> John, die hard. Oi, <laughs> that's not your point. <laughs> Okay, next one. The man plays the big standing up guitar really slowly, but then it goes faster and faster and everyone screams and pees in their trunks. <laughs> John Jaws. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is 
that three all? Three, two, two. There's two left. Ooh. When the man puts his glasses on, everyone thinks he's stupid, but he's clever because he's got the green glass that makes him strong. John Superman. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah. Ooh, three, three, two. Go on, Peter, you've got to get this one. Yeah. And then, then there's a tiebreaker, which I haven't got. I will make it up. <laughs> okay. The man buys a special kitten, but the kitten is hungry and has some chicken after bedtime and has baby <laughs> job. Uh, Peter Gremlins. John said his name first. We. Were you going to say Gremlins? I was going to say Gremlins, but... No, we'll give it to Peter. because we'll it's give it to Peter because it's a tie. Yeah. Because, yeah, the clue was man buys some special kittens, but the kitten is hungry, has some chicken after bedtime, he has babies, and the mummy puts one of them in the microwave. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> so at the end of the quiz, it was three all. <laughs> oh. So yeah. I will give a point to anyone who can come up with some sort of a film. The best one wins. Oh, my God, okay. Struggling to think of a film oh, to start Okay. Don't even think about doing Hamilton. <laughs> I've got one. Go on then. There's a rich man and a poor man and two old men, and then the rich Peter man and the poor man. Trading places. Yes. Well, you're going to let me finish the thing there. Yes. <laughs> Go on, what was the full clue? Uh, there's a rich man and a poor man and there's two old men and they swap the rich man and the poor man round and then there's boobs and there's like boobs and, um, <laughs> and then and then the rich man and the poor man swap again and you don't see any more boobs. <laughs> Trading places. Correct. <laughs> okay, so uh, in this film there's like, there's like two men and one of them is pretty crazy and the other one keeps complaining about how uh, he can't do anything because he's too old. Biz <laughs> lethal weapon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's one man who's your voice, voice. Your voice broke early. <laughs> <laughs> Peter hit puberty uh, at four, and then they hit back. <laughs> Freakishly strong by six, <laughs> in a home by eight. <laughs> Trying to find the right combination of obscure film that's still interesting. Actually, what I watched this morning. The Princess Bride on Netflix. Such a good film. That would have been a good choice. Why did I pick that? <laughs> Princess Bride was the favourite film of the Odeon employee who let us into Captain Marvel yesterday. You know, uh, they, they, let you in? Yeah. Why did you require letting in? Do you not have a ticket? I did have a ticket, but they had to check that I had a ticket before I could go <laughs> okay. in, hence letting me in. Yeah. But they put their favourite films on their uh, badges now. Ah. And his was The Princess Bride. Have you seen the logo for The Princess Bride? No. It's, it reads The Princess Bride, whether well, it's the right way up or upside down. Hmm. It's very clever. Hmm. I only ever noticed that this morning because it's the first time I've seen it on a big TV and it's, yeah, it's reversible. Were <laughs> like upside down at the time? No, I just like, that's an odd font. So then I turned my head upside down and it still said the same thing. There are these men, and they, they all go and stay in a field together, and then these ladies come <laughs> and... They were doing exercises. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> and there were boobs, and then... <laughs> Very good. I think we should give it to Peter just because it took him so long. <laughs> but it was quite inspired at the end. We did edit it down. We were originally sat here in silence for 25 minutes. 25 minutes. <laughs> at least. Uncomfortable coughing and shuffling. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. That was a thing. It was a thing. <laughs> I very much enjoyed that. Yeah, it was good. So we did our immediate post-Captain Marvel reactions in the previous podcast, but now we're going to go into a little bit more depth and spoiler territory. 
So if you haven't seen the film, please turn us off and then return to us when you have. I haven't seen it yet. Yes, you have. No, I haven't. I'm only five. (laughs) (laughs) Man came to me last night and tried to tell me about the film. (laughs) But I said, no spoilers. (laughs) So, so Ian, how would you describe the plot of Captain Marvel as a five-year-old Ian? (laughs) There is the lady who has the fire coming out of her bum. (laughs) And she does leave the planet where she lives and goes to Blockbusters. (laughs) Cool, thank you. Why do you not go back and give yourself a slightly more detailed description? So five-year-old you, Mm -hmm. write these descriptions down, post them to yourself in a sealed envelope, Mm -hmm. and then when Captain Marvel comes out... John, you're a lawyer. Do you think this would stand up in court? (laughs) Just say, look, clearly in like 1980, I wrote on a piece of paper, a lady with fire from her bum goes into a blockbusters, and they'll give you a couple of million dollars. Then I'd just be sued by Stan Lee, who wrote it probably a few years before I was complaining. So, just in case that synopsis didn't make any sense, I'll... (laughs) (laughs) Just tell what happens. Oh, and and a cat explodes and it eats people. And then the the alien is from Australia. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I I might just do an alternative version, just for, you know, for editing. So, you've got a choice. So, we first see Captain Marvel. She appears to be a Kree warrior who is suffering from amnesia. They are this specially trained army unit on their way to recapture a spy. Um, And then things happen and they fall back down to... (laughs) I prefer the (laughs) five-year-olds. And there's more concerns. This had more detail. (laughs) Things happen. Well, we'll get into that. I don't want to take... I don't want to command the entire segment to myself. Okay. Fine, you, John, synopsis time. Off you go. <laughs> so uh, we open with Carol Danvers, or Vers as she's known, a Kree warrior suffering from amnesia, being taught by Jude Law, who looks, to be frank, like a bit of a wrong from the off. <laughs> he does. They have a bit of a fight. She goes down to Earth. Things happen. <laughs> uh, it turns out she may have a previous life on Earth, which she uncovers with the help of a much younger, facelifted Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. She meets up with some old friends. She fights the Skrulls initially, finds out the Skrulls. We should explain what the Skrulls are. Oh, yeah. So at the beginning, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> when they're getting back their spy, it's actually the Skrulls who had captured him. Um, the Skrulls can look like people. Yes. Skrulls can look at somebody and then take on their identification. And their recent memories. Do they yes. have to touch them? Yeah. No, that. you can just look... like the pervert on the bus? Okay. <laughs> Again, it's a defensive call. I'm a scroll. It's not a <laughs> so the main scroll is called Talos, and there is a little like, scene to explain if he can just like look at someone. He's like, asked if he can become a filing cabinet. And why don't I become a filing cabinet? <laughs> so, right. Woman superhero starts to kick shit out of baddies, then realises that they're not really the baddies. It's the other people who are the baddies. Yeah. And, uh, and she redeems herself. She doesn't need redeemed. Quick, (laughs) does not need redeemed. She doesn't need redeemed. She doesn't. Basically, if you listen to this, you've seen it. I'd redeem her. (laughs) I'd Brie Larson. She (laughs) and in which Ian completely correct misses the point of the film (laughs) entirely. (laughs) What is the point of the film? It's something about women being better. Oh, God. I, came, I came up with an idea for a, a, a two and a half sub. Alison Brie Larson. 
that'll be a that'll be a treat. Oh, what a combination! Yeah. Ah, casual sexism. <laughs> should, we, should we read the synopsis off the internet? Because <laughs> we don't seem capable of making one. Let's do the synopsis a line at a time. Okay. <laughs> okay, you start. <clears throat> Captain Marvel is an extraterrestrial Kree warrior who finds herself caught in the middle of an intergalactic battle between her people and the Skrulls. She begins on the Kree planet where she has no memory of her previous life. And she is taught by Jude Law, who looks like a wrong one from the start. <laughs> Things happen. <laughs> We've got the title of the podcast, if nothing else. So we just give our opinion on what the yeah. 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 was. Maybe that would be a good idea. Yes. So Ian, you went to see it yesterday. I did. And I me. went with you and it was very nice. I enjoyed it immensely. The film was fantastic. I think it was one of my top three Marvel Ooh. superhero films thought Brie Larson was fantastic. I like the really subtle use of humour, not so subtle occasionally. Mm-hmm. A great backstory for the character. And even though there was a heavy CGI for Samuel Jackson and Agent Coulson, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was quite restrained as far as CGI goes until the last sort of, you know, 10 minutes where the obvious battle happens. But um, it was concentrating a lot more on the characters. And of course, it has a fantastic 90s soundtrack, which is my era. Mm. I, I generally thought it was great, a really great film. Obviously, you say there's loads of CGI, but the good thing is you don't see most of it. No, not that's really, it's really cleverly really done. convincing. Yeah, I thought the space battle was probably the least right, good the, bit of the film. The bit at the very end yeah. in space, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But when she goes into full-on Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. when her eyes glow and she comes proper glowy neon girl, that's pretty amazing. I do like how they restricted doing a final showdown with Jude Law because he's like, "Don't use your powers on me. I'll not use my guns. We'll just, you know, faces out together." And she just socks him to like <laughs> five hundred meters yeah. away. And I think my favorite line in the film is, "I don't have to prove anything to you, mm-hmm. bitch." And I think that's what's really. <laughs> Did he actually say bitch? <laughs> it's a silent bitch. <laughs> but also, that was really clever about the film. The idea of the strength of a woman wasn't really the kind of the main focus of the film. She just happened to be a very powerful woman, oh. and and she kind of shrugged it off quite a lot. Do you think, because yeah. arguably it was saying her power was there all along, but she didn't know about it and didn't use it. I like the fact that it was constantly Jude Law saying suppress your emotions mm. because women get seen as being too emotional to be powerful. Mm-hmm. There's a few things thrown at Captain Marvel throughout the film that are sexist and she deals with them in a tremendous manner. So I mm. like the fact that they came up, but it wasn't the focus of the film. And I was genuinely moved that throughout, you see various flashbacks of her life uh, that she starts to uncover uh, her as a young child and teenager and and, and in her mid-twenties where she's told that she's not good enough or she shouldn't be doing something because she's a girl, not a boy, like, you know, um, go-karting and stuff like that. And there's this lovely section at the end where you just see each of the iterations of her character of life just get up again and try oh, again. I, 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 yeah. I, really like, I thought it was really good, that bit. I hated that bit. Did you? I hated that. I thought, I thought we'd got the point. I thought it was just unsubtly hammering it home a little bit too much. Well, I like it got to me. Mm, like That's the possibly the only bit in the film I didn't like. Did you shout, calm down, dear, at the screen? <laughs> <laughs> Even if it was a little bit heavy-handed, I think it's necessary to make sure that the point does get hammered home. Yeah, I thought it I thought it earned it, mm. so it wasn't uh, over-cheesy. I liked the bit with the guy on the motorbike who was like, oh, you should smile yeah, more or something like yeah. that, and then... Uh, yeah. So she nicks his bike. Yeah. <laughs> So that's quite a common thing mm. to happen to women, actually, is that you get called for attention and then they turn nasty when you show them mm-hmm. none. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes it can be scary. Oh, and it's really annoying. All you do is smile. Just smile. 
<laughs> I probably should stop doing I can't, I can't it, yeah. imagine how I would react if that was a, the flip side of that. That would, that it, would, that would send me crazy. It depends on the context. Yeah. If you're yeah. alone, if there's a few mm. of them, it genuinely is an uncomfortable situation. And she steals his motorbike, which I thought was great. She wasn't a female superhero. She was just a superhero. If you had a male in that role, I don't think you would have had to change an awful lot. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, Very I think they got the balance exactly right. Yeah. The moments where the sexism did come into the story, she just threw it off very casually and wasn't going to take it. She didn't even get annoyed. She just went, I'm not having that. I'm not having it. Which is why I don't mind the marketing around Captain Marvel being focused on the first female-led superhero film for Marvel. I don't mind it because it needs to be seen. With Black Panther as well, that worked so well saying this is a new thing. Yeah. You know how Aladdin, there's a new live action Uh. version of Aladdin. It looks shot for shot the exact same film as the 1996 version. But there's one big difference, and that is the character of Jasmine. Who's a fighter pilot, isn't she? Mm, so, <laughs> <laughs> so in the original, Jasmine's sole purpose in life was to fall in love. And in this version, she's interested more in politics, interested in the running of the country, interested in travelling more. Certainly falling in love with Aladdin is going to be part of it, but she's interested in other things as well. And I think it's really, really important that the younger generation see that rather than the original version. Yeah, I watched a conversation between you and Louise a couple of days ago where you went from, what the hell's the point of these movies to, yeah, okay, I get it now, (laughs) which is quite interesting. Because you can look at things like that in a more current light. Yeah. To give an example, I do hope my sister will forgive me for this because she's listening. My niece is the most wonderful kid in the world, really funny, really independent, lovely. But she and I have had this ongoing argument for about three years in that she tells me off for wearing my rings because a man didn't give them to me. And I genuinely get quite annoyed with that. I think the reason, one of the reasons she's keeping at it is because of my reaction. I get quite annoyed. Um, <laughs> this is your niece, not your sister-in-law. This is my niece. Yeah. Yes, this is my nine-year-old niece. Um But she has watched a few Disney princess films in her time. It's obviously not from her parents that she's getting this. I do wonder if the films that she has watched, the likes of Aladdin, the likes of Frozen stuff, are giving her a false sense of how a relationship should work. Mm. So I'm trying to talk to her about my sordid love life. (laughs) (laughs) Things don't always work out. (laughs) Not as bad as the talkie give his five-year-old self, I guess. (laughs) So I think my point was that I don't mind that being a focal point of the film because it's important for the younger generation to see films like this. I did see one criticism of the movie, which was that a lot of what she does in the movie, she's doing because people tell her to do it or tell her about it. Things like her relationship with her former best friend. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, okay, yeah, we're best friends quite quickly. But a degree of that is because someone told her she was. There's quite a few examples where it's not so much she's leading it and deciding what to do, it's that other people are telling her what to do. I mean, you could argue maybe that reverses at the end when she refuses to do what Jude Law's telling her to do and not use her emotions. Well, she's got an impossible decision to face when she's been told her entire life that the scrolls are evil and here's one standing in front of her saying, no, it's the other way around. But how does he prove it? He he can't. He can Mm -hmm. just like, you know, would just want to find a home. It's a very nice moment in the film and it's on her to decide whether he's telling the truth or whether her years of being told by Jude Law, who she's quite close to, to be fair, is true. So maybe the fact that she's been told so much throughout the first half of the film is a 
plot decision so that when she does make that decision, it's because she's doing it despite that. Mm-hmm. And becoming herself more. Yeah. Or make, just making the right choice. I wasn't entirely convinced that after years of Skrulls at Evil and her being tortured by a Skrull a couple of days earlier, all it takes is one of them going to actually know. But I also think that it's quite nice to make a decision for her or based on how she feels rather than the evidence. Because yeah. as an audience, we're not 100% sure as well because we've just been flip-flopped. So there's kind of like room for it to be a double bluff. And she's also told all the way through not to let her emotions mm. get in the way of being a warrior. And when she does use an emotional reaction, it's the right one. So where's the fourth scroll? Four scrolls does land on Earth. One is killed quite early on. The science guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you see the main guy, Talos, Talos. and his science mate. Oh, so not science guy. Isn't there a theory that he becomes Samuel Jackson? There's a theory, well, yeah. I mean, so yeah. there appears to be another skull that isn't accounted for. And I don't believe Marvel would well, make the, that mistake. There's the female skull, isn't there? With all the big swordy things, she, doesn't she get dispatched quite quickly? This might be a bit like Blade Runner, where they edited out one of the characters who'd landed and they ended up with a sort of miscount where it said there were six at one point in the plot and then we only saw five of them dealt mm. with, but that's because they just edited someone out. I don't think Marvel would make that big a mistake, though. Unless I'm missing something, I'm pretty sure that there's one school that landed on Earth that isn't accounted so for. The Nick Fury theory is because at one point she says, tell me something no one else will know, and he says he can't abide sandwiches that have been cut in triangles. Mm. And someone, of course, went back to Age of Ultron, where he's seen cutting a sandwich into triangles. <laughs> so this therefore conclusively proves that he's a scroll. He gets scanned, doesn't he, by the Cree towards the end, and it, it says human threat level low and none. Mm. If he was a school, he'd still have human DNA, and that would well, show. Well, Ultron is later, so the idea is that it could he happen would at any time. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Maybe the one we saw killed off in Infinity War was, in fact, not him, it was uh, his scroll version. But why would he call Captain Marvel? Because the scrolls are friends with Captain Marvel. Is Captain Marvel a scroll? <laughs> We didn't, we didn't, we didn't really no, get no, a... No, she isn't. <laughs> Is Captain America a scroll? No, okay. <laughs> Am I a scroll? Definitely. <laughs> Tell us something obscure about yourself that a scroll wouldn't make up. <laughs> I've got four testicles. <laughs> All scrolls have four testicles. Because they look underneath a sheet at one point, don't they? A oh, dead yeah. scroll. <laughs> Only two of them are mine, but... (laughs) (laughs) You're too on loan. (laughs) From Cockbusters. (laughs) From what? Cockbusters. I wasn't entirely convinced about why we haven't seen Captain Marvel since 1995. Hasn't she she been at the other end of the galaxy? Yeah, she went off to try and end the war, didn't she? Yeah. But she gives Nick Page this page and says... Nick Page. Nick Page. (laughs) (laughs) She gives Nick Page... (laughs) She gives Nick Fury a pager and says... just called Fury, not Nick Fury. Fury. She gives Fury a pager and says, only in emergencies, there's been so many emergencies. That's why he did that whole thing at the end of the film, where he wanted to find more superheroes because you can't always rely on one. Yeah. Dan, I think it was this morning, put in a note on our spoilery Captain Marvel group that the reason that they couldn't bring Thor down to deal with Loki all the time is because he's, you know, intergalactic and can always be relied upon. How do we know that he hasn't? I would quite like to see Captain Marvel 2 set 
in 2000 or 2001. Mm. Could have a Captain Marvel 2 set in 2000 with uh, Nick Fury in his 50s. I'd quite like to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because I'd quite like to see uh, the other two characters again. Of, Maria. Um, Maria yeah. and Maria's daughter, who was mm. whose name I forget. Monica. Monica. And it's a shame that presumably now in 2019, they're much, much older. But there could be something interesting about her seeing like a fully growing version of Monica. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd like to see more of those characters, so I'd like to see more, more of that relationship. I really enjoyed the fact that there was no romantic relationship in Captain Marvel. It mm. was, uh, well, it might be romantic, I don't know. Um, the, the, it was a relationship with her best friend was the heart of the movie. I like that. There was a romance in the film between Nick Fury and Goose. <laughs> that was the, uh, that was the, that was the romance. The when we first saw the trailers for Wonder Woman, I thought it was a bit odd that featured quite heavily in the trailer was the Chris Pine character. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, is that important for that? This felt more progressive than Wonder Woman, I think. I felt so depressed when I saw um, a fucking awful film, Justice League. <laughs> Wonder Woman, we had Patty Jenkins directing it. We had this brilliant, strong female character. And then the first shot of Justice League, directed by Zack Snyder of Wonder Woman is like a lingering shot on her ass while she's wearing a tight dress. You're like, oh, you've just undone. So quote so from John, I was disappointed to see Wonder Woman's ass. Yes, you can take that. So it, it, it just felt a shame that they'd built this college up and then suddenly, yeah. okay, we're back to... Yeah. Um, there was none of that at all in yeah. Captain Marvel. So have we all seen the new Avengers trailer with Captain Marvel mm. featuring in some scenes with Thor? Yes. Mm, what do we think? I think she's, she's smiling more in the trailer. Uh, the the trailer just got me really excited for Endgame again and having seen Captain Marvel has that given you any theories on how this whole thing might be resolved with her influence the problem is she's so powerful yeah we talked about this didn't we the other day how do you avoid her just coming in and flattening everyone can't Thanos just make her disappear with a click of a thumb I don't know, but it looked like his gauntlet was pretty knackered at the end. I don't know if it's a single use <laughs> gauntlet. <laughs> like a condom, you wouldn't want to try it again, would you? You know, it's a <laughs> <laughs> Apparently this is a thing in America, genuinely, I read this on a news site, that they've put warnings out in America telling people not to wash out and if you use condoms. <sighs> really? Because people were doing that. Yeah. Do we think Goose will make an appearance? In Endgame. Oh, really? Yes. Well, he'd have to be... Because it's not an actual cat, is he? So is he's it a, He's a thing. He's a flurkin. Did I say clerkin? Yeah. <laughs> he's a flurkin. He's clerkin. You've got to be clerkin, man. <laughs> <laughs> so he wouldn't fit into normal cat year rules. They could live for centuries, couldn't they? Just like to see him appear again. Apparently, flurkins have these transdimensional pockets in their cheeks, which is where all their tentacles and stuff are hidden. Mm-hmm. Which is also why she can look after the Tesseract. So maybe Thanos just flicks his fingers and moved half the universe into Flurkin's cheek pouch. Maybe. It wouldn't be an expected film, would it? And it's just two and a half hours of her coughing up <laughs> superheroes <laughs> we thought were dead. Yeah. <laughs> like ten minutes. <laughs> so I've just gone to the Marvel fandom website to look up Flurkin. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, and under the biology section, it says, Flurkin resemble earth cats in appearance and behavior. They can lay up to 117 eggs and possess many tentacles that can extend from their mouths. Their bodies also hold pocket realities, bubbles of space and time that exist in other worlds. So the goose is going to save the Avengers, I think. The thing with Captain Marvel is I think she could quite easily kill Thanos with her superpowers, but that's not necessarily what they want oh, to yeah, do. Oh, 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 and they can do dimensional travel. Can they? Yeah, so the subspace is within. This is the can also be used as a means of instantaneous transportation. The process can be messy, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be eaten by the cat for that to work. It's my chart line, do you want to come back to my place for a bit of interdimensional transportation? It might get messy. Do you think Thanos will be dead by the end of Endgame? Or just somehow, well, stuck in a cat's cheeks or something? Uh, I think they'll kill him, but no one ever really stays dead in comics, do they? Mm. That's my deep thought on that. (laughs) (laughs) So have we changed our marks out of 10 that we gave them in my car? Because you guys, I've seen it twice, you guys have seen it once and you've had a week or so to think about it. You were saying you enjoyed it more the second time. I did, because I didn't know anything about Scrolls, didn't know anything about Cree. So I was kind of learning as the film was developing and I was maybe didn't really know what was going on. So the second time, I was able to appreciate more things about the film, so I enjoyed it even more. Mm-hmm. Has it gone up or down in your estimations since then? Stayed about the same. A little down, but I think I'd want to see it again to be sure. Yeah, I think it's well worthy of a second watch. Whereas, say, Ragnarok, I actually enjoyed almost more every time I watched it, mm-hmm. which isn't true of all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would give it nine Hey Sister Soul Sisters <laughs> <laughs> out of ten. I'd give it a very good eight. I would give it eight nineties bangers out of ten. <laughs> nine nine-inch nails out uh, t- uh, nine, nine, nine nine-inch inch nails. nails t-shirt out of ten. Nine <laughs> nine-inch nails and a partridge. <laughs> do you want to do a wrap-up? Yo, yo, <laughs> Hamilton style. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I love right. And uh, now Hazel is going to wrap the end of the podcast. Thomas Jefferson's coming. Oh, that's the only thing I remember. So good you can remember one line from it. <laughs> that's really well, memorable. I can't yeah. do rap because... Can you not rap the end of the podcast? I have a speech in <laughs> <laughs> What, not being black? <laughs> Eminem can rap. Mm. Vanilla yeah. ice. Yeah. <laughs> lap us up. That brings us to the end of another Nerdfest podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you've had fun. We all have. Correct? What? What? We've all had fun. Mm. Enforced fun. (laughs) (laughs) Smile, John. I'll smile more for you, Ian. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Try Try again. Come on, we can do this. And that brings us to the end of another Nerdfest podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We've had a lot of fun. Join us for the next one. But in the meantime, you can check us out on social media at Nerdfest UK on Twitter and Facebook. But until the next episode, you've been listening to... Ian McLaughlin. Peter Johnson. A five-year-old visited by Ian McLaughlin. And I'm Hazel Burton. Hope you haven't been disturbed by anything you've listened to in this episode. If you have, do we have a phone line? We'll put some phone numbers on the description of the podcast. Okay, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. And bye for me as well. I'm five.
Anyway, thanks for visiting Nerdfest. Uh, next one, Things Happen.